Today on The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. And then what do you have in the culture? How do they know what to market? They study kids like scientists study rats in a laboratory. And they sell clothes, they sell vocabulary, they sell hairstyle, they sell everything in the world. And the kids think, well, this is just what we've come up with. Oh no, you have been used and abused and marketed and programmed by those who are masters of deceit. What is this all about? The truth is evil can be deceiving but you can see through its lies. Welcome to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Today, Dr. Young begins his message, Evil Packaged, and shares proven truth to help you see behind evil's allure and steer clear of its trap. Don't miss this powerful message up next. Now here's Dr. Ed Young with today's message, Evil Packaged. Victory is ours, but in the meantime, we've got a problem. And we've discovered that our problem is evil. If you were here in our study last week, we talked about evil. We asked the question, what is evil? Most people can't answer that question. It's a very difficult question to answer. We decided when something is complete and whole, W-H-O-L-E, if it gets a hole in it, that hole makes it impure and imperfect, and that hole itself is evil. Therefore, evil is best depicted as darkness. You don't turn on darkness. Darkness is the absence of light. And we said our world is infected seriously with evil in any direction you point. Then we asked the question, not only what is evil, but where did evil come from? We came to a decision about that. How did that snake get in the garden? We discovered the answer to that. And then we talked about what does evil look like? What is the face of evil when you face evil how do you know it? How will you recognize it? And we decided that if evil came in a red suit and a pitchfork and horns, we'd say, look out for that guy. But that's not the way evil comes. Evil comes in beauty and charm and culture and erudition and, and fun and light. That's how evil masquerades himself or that's how evil parades themselves. And so I thought as we dealt with evil, and we will for the next few weeks, we'd go back and just read a very familiar passage of Scripture that most of us have read. I've read it hundreds of times, but it always speaks. It always speaks. Genesis chapter 3. By the way, before you came to church today, did you pray a little prayer, Lord, speak to me today? I've discovered that when I do that, it's amazing how God speaks to me. Have you noticed that? Did you come with anticipation that God is going to do something in your life, change something in your life, convict you of something, and move you in a different direction, heal, forgive, restore, rekindle? Did you come with that kind of, 
I call it tiptoe expectation. That's how we should go to church, on tiptoe, with great expectation. If so, these familiar verses will speak to us. Genesis 3, now the serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. In other words, we can eat of all the trees in the garden, all the fruit in the garden. But from the fruit of the tree which is the middle of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat from it or touch it or you will die. By the way, God didn't say that. Eve misquoted God. The previous chapter said, God said, don't eat of the fruit of the tree and you will die. But God didn't say anything about touching it. Hmm. Her femininity came out. She had to say more than was there. I, I don't know. Or touch it or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And we decided that everybody here would have fallen with that same kind of temptation brought before you and me. Oh, yeah. Your eyes will be opened, the devil said. You will see other dimensions, other things you've never been able to see before. Your eyes will be open if you eat this fruit. Oh, and you'll be like God. Who would not want to be like God? You know, we're trying to run our own lives anyway, independent of him. That's the original sin. You'll be like God. And you'll know good and evil. You'll have discernment. You'll have increased knowledge. Doesn't that sound very appealing to every single one of us here if we're honest about it? Sure it does. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was a delight to eyes that the tree was desirable to make one wise. Lust of the flesh, good for food. Delight of the eyes, lust of the eye. It'll make you wise, the pride of life. It's all right there. Classic temptation. She took from his fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Verse 7, then the eyes of both of them were open. The devil's promise came true there. Now they saw their true situation. And they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walk in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord, God among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord called to the man and said, Where are you? And he said, I heard of you in the garden. I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God said, Who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? The man said, The woman. Whom you gave to be with me, she gave me from the tree, and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent. 
deceived me and I ate. And the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you more than any cattle and more than any beast of the field. On your belly you will go and dust you will eat all the days of your life. Let's prepare for the teaching of the book. Father, give us attentive mind, open hearts to your truth. And may we not just hear, but may we apply it. And Lord, by the power of your spirit, make those changes, those changes that we desperately need to make in so many areas of our personality. You speak, O Lord, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. A contractor had the opportunity of a lifetime. He was asked to bid on a multi-million dollar project. If he were low bidder, he'd get the job. It would just give him security for at least three or four years. He worked very carefully through the long, lengthy bid. Finally, it came the day to take the bid to the office of the president of the company, and he showed up, and the the secretary said, he's not here, but he'll be here in 15 minutes. Go in his office and sit down, and, and, and he'll be glad to receive your bid. And so he went in. He was seated. She said, could I give you coffee? He said, no, thank you. She closed the door and left him alone. He said, well, she said, make myself at home. So he began to walk around, beautiful mahogany desk, and he looked on the desk, and there were the stack of bids from other contractors. On the top, he noticed the name of the contractor that was his number one competition getting this gigantic job. And he said, you know, if I could just see that figure there, that bid, and if it happened to be lower than mine, I could adjust mine down a little bit to be assured of getting this contract. And he went over there, but right over that number was a Diet Coke can. And he said, oh, you know, and he started to move it. He said, no, no, that would be dishonest. But he started to think about it. He didn't hear anything. He knew it would only take a few seconds. Just open it, look at the number, put the can back down, zip. And so he reached over and he grabbed that can and bam, to his amazement, it was full of BBs. And BBs came out of that can. <laughs> bang, bang, all over the room. And he knew he'd lost the job. The law of unintended consequences set in upon him, did it not? And that happens to him. I think that happened to Adam and Eve in the garden. Man, just eat of this fruit. I mean, it looks delicious. Man, he says, the snake says, we'll be wise. We'll be like, man, just... I want some of that fruit. Here, Adam, you have some. This is, this is going to change everything. We're going to be able to run our own lives. But my goodness, the unintended consequences that we've all felt from that sin, have we not? All the way down through the generation. And somehow we look back in our lives and we see we've made this wrong choice. We, we should have gone there and we went there and we should have said this and we were silent and we were too talkative and we should have kept our mouth shut. I mean, we can look back and we see 
All these things have erupted in our lives. And, and because we made these wrong choices, there's a stench that comes to us. Most of you don't know anything about a skunk. I, I was brought up in a rural area. I know about skunks. You can smell a skunk, I'm told, the wind's right two miles away. Pick up the scent. If you ever get close to a skunk and really get the scent, you'll understand what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever done it? Have you ever been really close to it? You know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about your husbands. <laughs> I, I mean a real skunk. You know, a skunk, uh, a skunk has four little glands in, in, in the anterior part of their body. And th these four glands, they, when, when a skunk is excited or a skunk is defending himself or surprised, they can shoot off a spray that 10 yards is deadly accurate. And I'll tell you, a bear won't mess with them. A wolf won't mess with them. They see that skunk. No, no, they stay away. But in our lives and our choices, we we know, well, I picked up the skunk here, and I did this thing over here, and we don't remember all those choices. In fact, we don't even remember when we dropped the skunk, but we do remember trying to breathe. Oh, yeah, we remember trying to breathe. And we look around us today, and it looks like the whole world is trying to breathe because there's so much evil that's permeated and has gone through every aspect of society. And most of us don't know what to do about it because evil has been marketed successfully over and over and over again. And we discover that evil is inside of you and inside of me. Or there is that jealousy there, there is that Anger there, there's that impatience there. My, my, evil gets inside. Psychological problems. Evil is beside us. Sociological problems. Evil is there. We've been harmed. We've been abused. We've been slandered. We've been misunderstood. And, and evil is beside us. It is inside us. It is beside us. Evil is above us. There's a supernatural aspect of evil we've already looked at, and, and, and they're demons, and we know because evil is so multifaceted. People say, well, you Christians, you just have a simplistic view of evil. No, we do not. We know evil is pervasive. It's multifaceted. It has many, many faces, and it is indeed inside and beside and above us. The question is, in the marketing of evil in the 21st century, what is going on? First of all, I want us to look at the marketing of evil in the family. And, and the process is divide them. Divide them. Divide a family. Look at, look at the story in Genesis that we read. In the last few verses there, in fact, the last verse of chapter 2, you got that formula for marriage, leave, cleave, one flesh, no shame. Repeat of the New Testament. That's the formula, isn't it? Leave all others, cleave, superglue, one another, one flesh, intimacy, no shame. You see, long as there was unity, 
to Adam and Eve, no shame. But look, when there came division, the woman, the man, the serpent, they became shame when they sinned and they hid in the garden. Who told you you were naked, said God? You'd never been ashamed before. You see, when there is division, there is shame. When there is unity, there is no shame. And so we see how evil has been marketed in the family to cause division between man and woman and parents and children. Division comes in the family. This is the working of the evil one. And particularly, we look in the area of the marketing of evil to our children and to our grandkids. It is deadly. Deadly. I want you to look at five corporations that you're familiar with. They're on your screen. These five corporations are big, big, big international conglomerates, powerful. These corporations market cool to your kids, C-O-O-L. By the way, cool is one of the few words that have survived many, many years. When I was in college, we talked about you're cool or you're uncool or that's cool or that's not cool. It's a word that keeps going on. Still today in the 21st century, cool is the word. Kids want to be cool, you know. And these guys market cool to our kids. And the primary instrument they use is MTV. But I want to show you, first of all, the power that these five corporations have. And I want to read it to you. Follow on the screen. It's right there. The entertainment companies, which are a handful of massive conglomerates that own four of five music companies that sell 90% of the music in the United States. Think about that. Those same companies also own all the film studios, all the major TV networks, all the TV stations, pretty much in the 10 largest markets, and they own all or part of every single commercial cable channel. This is a massive empire. They market evil through films, books, music, CDs, internet asset, clothing, uh, amusement parks, sports teams, they use all these weapons primarily to make money off the youth market. There they are, ladies and gentlemen. You say, well, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with that as they market. Have you watched MTV lately? I, I watched about 30 minutes of it this week. I watched another maybe 10 or 15 minutes of it. That's all I needed. That's all I needed. If you haven't had that tragic experience, you need to. <laughs> MTV is a total commercial. Everything about it is commercial. This film, this music, this look, this dress, this vocabulary. And the two kids they caricature, though they're not in personalities, but they keep displaying these two types of caricatures as sort of the role model for Young teenagers all the way up to older teenagers. First is the MOOC, M-O-O-K. Never heard of the MOOC. Now, the MOOC is not a person, but it's sort of the ideal teenager, the MOOC. This is a teenager who is filled with testosterone, a teenager who is 
disrespectful to anybody and everybody has sort of a narcissistic arrogance about them. And it is the MOOC. I mean, the MOOC is a cool operator and the MOOC is marketed for the kids and they want to dress like the MOOC and, and talk down people like the MOOC and fool their parents like the MOOC and be slick like the MOOC. The MOOC is the one and it is a primarily someone who sees everything with sexual innuendo. The MOOC is marketed. That's the guy. What about the gal? It's the midriff. Once again, this is not a person per se. It's this sort of the caricature you see all the way through what is marketed there to our kids. And, and the, the girl is, the female is, whereas the MOOC is to stay an adolescent a long time. You know, Howard Stern, Bill Clinton, they're classic MOOCs. <laughs> they're still adolescents. And when Bill Clinton's affair with Monica Lewinsky received more coverage than the Super Bowl, let me tell you something. That has played out to today's culture all the way to the middle school as they get involved in things they did not know anything about or never thought about, and that has been one of the deadliest immoral things that still perfeate our culture today. That is marketing evil big time. Now, Midriff is the, is the girl. She, she wants to be older, whereas the, the MOOC wants to stay an adolescent forever. And you've got the older, the take the little kid, three, four, five, six, and make them become some sort of sexual image, some sort of sensual kind of picture. This is the midriff that they sell, trying to get our kids to grow up and be adults, to be adults. Whereas the young kid is appeared to be an adult and older as some kind of sensual object, whereas, and by the way, a sex object. That's how the females are taught. And you say, oh, this is a bunch of preacher nonsense. Just look at it, read it with your eyes and your heart open, and you can't miss it. It is the marketing of evil to our families. And then what do you have in the culture? Coming from all these conglomerates, how do they know what to market? They study kids like scientists study rats in a laboratory. They have those that investigate, those that look. They hire kids all over America to go see what's in, what's out, what is the look. And they keep creating looks that move them down and down and down, lower and lower and lower. More piercings, more tattoos. My goodness, Dennis Rodman, Rodman almost looks normal today. What is this all about? And the thing among so many teenagers, if you're behind the times, is cutting. They cut themselves. What is that all about? Usually it's about not always a kid that is so put, put down and so frustrated and so rejected, usually by a strong, strong figure in their family. They can't handle the emotional pain, their sore physical pain and their own bleeding helps alleviate some of the emotional pain. And that is epidemic proportion, parents, in our schools and among our kids today. And I could go on and on and on how evil has been marketed in the family to divide the family, to destroy the family, and particularly to our kids. No sense of respect because they, it's the mook. It's the midriff. That's cool. 
and they sell clothes, they sell vocabulary, they sell hairstyle, they sell everything in the world, and the kids think, well, this is just what we've come up with. Oh, no, you have been used and abused and marketed and programmed by those who are masters of deceit. And this is where we are in the marketing of evil in our family. Also, there's a market of evil in the church. In the church? And, and, and the market there is be silent. Shh, church, be silent. And then I want you to listen to this if you forget everything I've ever said. No big deal. Everything you know, forget it. But you need to understand this, and you got to listen because it's not easy to grasp. I've dealt with it before, but it's exceedingly important. Today, to silence the church, people begin to say, well, don't you know about separation of church and state? Ladies and gentlemen, I've got an announcement to make. Separation, church, state is not in the Constitution or the bylaws. You don't find the words there. And that, and the way that is used is completely inaccurate. Listen, listen to me and understand this. There is separation of church and state in, in the bylaws, the constitution, the documents of Russia. Oh, yeah. Communist China. The church that's there, they can't speak against the state or speak about morality. They are silenced in those nations. Make no mistake. It's in their rules, their regulations. That's not true with us. Though we've been told even by some courts that it's true. You can't speak out. You can't get involved. You speak out on a moral issue that's in the arena today. I get a zillion letters. Well, you moved from being a, a Bible preaching person to politics. Let me tell you something. When a law is passed, somebody's morals are being legislated for or against. Now, we're not Democrats, we're not Republicans, we're not Independents, we're not Libertarians, we're not whatever you want to name. We are God-fearing people who are called by God to speak truth into our culture. Our culture today is a child abuser. Our culture is a child abuser. And I can tell you that MTV and all these marketers or is interested in children. Oh, they are interested in our kids. They're interested just like a lion is interested in a gazelle. And, and there has been market of evil in our family. It's market evil in the church. So the church can't speak because they're separated the church and state. Let me tell you where this came from. Jefferson, third president, elected. Most all Christians in America voted against Jefferson to be president. You know that? Because they said he wasn't a Christian, and he wasn't. He was a deist at best. But Baptists voted for him. Is that crazy? Most every Christian, oh, the nomination, voted against Jefferson because they, they thought he was with Robespierre and the Revolution in France, and he, they burned all the books. They said Jefferson's going to burn out Bibles. Even when he's elected, a lot of Christians would hide, would hide their Bibles saying the new president is going to make us burn all our Bibles. Oh, yeah. But the Baptists voted for him. What happened to us? I'll tell you why. Follow me carefully. 
There were five states, part of the union, Jefferson elected, and these five states had their own denominations, their own religions for that state. For example, the state of Connecticut, it was a state, and they said you had to be a congregationalist. You had to be a part of the congregational church. And so, therefore, when the Baptists who were in Connecticut, a little remnant group there, they were being persecuted by the state and by the congregations because they were not congregations, they were Baptists. And so when Jefferson elected, the Baptists wrote and congratulated him, and the Baptists said, will you help us? We're under persecution because we're Baptists and not congregationalists. And Jefferson wrote back, thanked them for their support, and said, I wish there were a wall of separation. I'm paraphrasing. I've read all these letters time and time again. Look at the Federalist Papers who explain it a little clearer. But anyway, he says, I wish there were a wall of separation between the church and the state, i.e. Connecticut, and, and, and the Baptist church and the Congregational church. So as in the federal government, the federal government doesn't, say you have to be a part of this religion or this denomination, I hope there would be a wall there that would be true of the states. But it wasn't true of the states then. You understand that? Many states, five of them, had their own denominations, and they said, you have to be a part of this denomination. The Baptists are saying, we want to have freedom where the state doesn't impose religion on us. And says so just like it is in the United States of America. And they had the idea that somehow this teaches that the church can't speak to the state? Have you ever been to Washington? Have you ever looked at a dollar bill? Have you ever looked on the side of the Supreme Court building? Ever looked inside the Supreme Court building? You have scripture and words and reference of God and Christ and the commandment all over who we are. We are a Judeo-Christian nation. Even when Jefferson were president, the Congress raised money to send thousands of Bibles and have them distributed in America, the U.S. Congress. Also, they even sent missionaries to go to Native Americans to seek the win of the Christ, funded by the U.S. Congress. So they had in almost every house of government there, from the House of Representatives to the Supreme Court building itself, they had Christian worship services every single Sunday. Does it sound like there was any intention to keep the state Set from the church? Absolutely not. The state cannot dictate to us how we are to worship, but as free men and women from the walk of God, we can certainly speak God's truth and God's word to the state. That is a part of why we are Americans. So evil is marketed to the church to keep us silent. Also, evil is marketed in the church when the church, as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, preaches another gospel. Another gospel. What is usually this another gospel we have in the church? You know what it is? It's a gospel of prosperity and happiness. It's the idea that, well, a man expressed it to me. He said, Pastor, I'm going to divorce my wife 
because I am just absolutely miserable. I know God hates divorce, but God will forgive me of divorcing my wife because I know he wants me to be happy. See, happiness above it. Oh, you, you have to be happy. If you're not happy, oh my goodness. God wants everybody to be happy. Ladies and gentlemen, God didn't call us in Christ to live in a playground. We live in a battleground. And that battleground is where evil is permeating everything around us. Doesn't mean, well, everything's got to be negative. Everything's got to be, oh no. In the middle of that battleground, when it becomes a holy ground and we come to know God in Christ, in the middle of whatever storms that come or the beautiful sunshiny days, we still are committed and we are still at peace with him. Listen, Jesus isn't the path to happiness. Jesus is happiness. You see, that's what we have to understand. This is how Jesus taught. This is how he taught. By the way, I bumped this this week. Y'all probably already knew this. I bumped to something I just missed. You know, Jesus in his teaching, he'd always open with truly or verily, verily, or literally he's saying amen, amen. Interesting. Now, in Jesus' day, when a rabbi would stand up and teach the synagogue, he'd open the, the scroll, the Torah, he'd read, and he'd teach. Now, the old elders said over the synagogue, if they approved of what he said when he was finished, they'd say, amen, 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 or verily, 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 or truly, 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 same word. When Jesus taught, he opened up with amen. He opened up with verily, verily. He opened up with truly, truly. What's he saying? He's saying, Folks, it doesn't matter what you think about what I'm saying. If it doesn't meet your expectations, if it doesn't even measure up to common sense, Jesus said, it doesn't make any difference because I was here before the foundation of the world. And I know the hearts of every single one of you. And I'm not speaking this to have a debate or let you spit it or say you understand. He said, I'm speaking the truth from God because I am God. Verily, verily, amen, amen. <laughs> Therefore... We're under the authority of this book. And this book tells us, with all the marketing of evil in the family, to divide it, to corrupt our kids, all the marketing of evil in the church, to silence it and to distort and preach another Jesus that's not the true Jesus. With all of that, as we are in Christ, he that's in you, he that's in me is greater than the evil marketing that is in the world. And therefore, as we already heard by song, not just words, but even in a broken, evil world, there still is individually and collectively victory. In Jesus Christ. Before we end today's program, it's great to have Dr. Young here in the studio with us to answer a quick question. Dr. Young, you said that one of Satan's favorite strategies is to attack our families. I'm sure there are those listening right now who wonder how they can protect their family from the devil's schemes. What is your advice? 
first of all, teach every member of your family as you apply this principle to your life how to say no. No to a lot of things that seem good on the surface and seem okay. It's okay if I go there to their worship this one Sunday. It's okay if I see this movie. It has just a little. It's okay. We've got to learn to have discerning minds. And I've been talking about recently in worship how our minds are renewed. This gives us the ability to know when to say no, N-O, and to K-N-O-W when to say yes, Y-E-S. And when we teach that in our families and model that in our lives as we seek to live in the basis of a biblical worldview and the basis of God's revealed truth in the Bible, let me tell you something. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not upon your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. And on that path, that little part of the Lord's prayer will be answered. Deliver us from evil. Very helpful. Thank you, Dr. Young. You've been listening to The Winning Walk with Dr. Ed Young. Winning Walk is a listener-supported ministry. Your prayers and financial support allow us to bring proven truth to listeners around the world. Connect with us at winningwalk.org. That's winningwalk.org.